there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. Much like Spencer, I was unable to watch the game in its entirety live. And I'm proud to say that when I rewatched it on Monday night, Tech still won. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure that that was going to happen. But it sure was nice getting to rewatch it, knowing that All Day Garibay, spelt B-A-E, was going to come out, take care of business all three times. No doubts. I didn't have doubts during the game anyway. How are you, man? Man, I'm good. I, you said I didn't watch the game live. I had my attention split. I had the game, like I was watching um, some conference sessions from what well, was a church conference. I was watching that, was listening to that, and I had the game up on my phone. I would glance down and watch it. It's going back and forth, but I caught uh, the first, most of the first quarter uh, before before that that session of conference started. Then I caught most, if not all of the fourth quarter live after that session. So I got the first quarter and the fourth quarter in their entirety. Um, but yeah, man, we're, we're glad to have you back. Rob and yeah. Kyle filled in valiantly on the post game show. They were great. Yes, um, I did. I did listen. They, they sounded, they sounded glorious. Sounded glorious as, as one would expect. If guys, if you want to hear more of, Rob, Kyle, Michael, and myself together. Rob Rose College Tailgate Show. Oh my gosh. College <laughs> Tailgate Show. Those are words I said. Every Saturday, 10 to noon on Lubbock Talk 103.9 FM, 1340 AM, AM 916 San Angelo, and online at kkam.com and the KKAM Talk 103.9 mobile app. Also, can follow us on Twitter at 23 personnel at punts suck two S's there and at Michael underscore LBK. Also, I know many of you have because we've welcomed many of you on the show before you can catch us 30 minutes after the game live over on the Spotify green room. It's a live audio only sports talk platform free to use and to download. Talk to us. Other tech fans in real time. It's perfect for our post-game instant reaction podcast that we do. And best of all, you can join us, share your experiences, your takes from the game. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with our sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me and Michael have a chance to be featured on the 23 personnel podcast. We host rooms. Like I said, every Saturday, 30 minutes after the game's end, 
come through and talk with us live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app. It's free in the iOS and Android app stores. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Spencer Rogers and at Michael McDonald to be notified when we go live. Come with your spiciest takes. Michael, mm-hmm. tonight we're going to do a final wrap on West Virginia. I want to get some of your thoughts on the game since, like I said, you weren't available to join us live on Spotify Green Room. And then uh, we'll talk about this weekend. See if your our outlooks have changed as Texas Tech sits at four and one through five games. I've heard some people have, some people haven't. Uh, I've heard a lot of people really down, like on the wins, like, but it was a win. So I want to get yes. your, your feel, your, your pulse after okay. the, the victory in Morgantown. So let's get there next. Let's talk about football, wrap up the West Virginia game, and then talk about TCU. Sideline breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35, 40. He's the midfield, the 45, 40. He may go. 25, 10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he breaks. Oh, oh he's the worst. Red Raider, unbelievable. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. Okay, as I always do, Michael, I thought about something there. <laughs> yes. But it's actually. It's, it's, it's actually in our notes for tonight. I was just reminded. I was like, oh, I want to talk about that. Um, so let's, let's talk about West Virginia. West Virginia, the game in Morgantown. Texas Tech wins 23 to 20. That's right. Texas Tech wins. In the preview show, I know we talked about how Michael and I both had predicted the loss. We looked at the FPI and said, oof, they're giving Texas Tech a 27% chance. Well, we're living in that 27% chance. Yes, um, we are. Let's start with the offense. And I want to talk about that last offensive drive for Texas Tech. That four-minute drill, as Golick Jr. was talking about as we got the ball. Texas Tech got the ball. What did you think of Golick Jr.? I, I didn't. Okay. Uh, in context, like in context like of I'll the color guys we've had so far this year, oh, maybe yes. the best. But I don't know if it's a maybe. I mean, you, you know, we had Brandon Jacobs twice. So, yeah, Golik Jr., I think I think he was extremely well prepared. He was high energy. He had a lot to say about, uh, the you know, the, the linemen and, you know, the big guys, you know, not just the skill players. I Anyway, I, yeah. I just didn't know. I, since I didn't watch it live, I didn't. I figured people would have a strong reaction one way or the other. But uh, I thought he did a good job. So I didn't actually listen to him. He and Anish until today. Actually, I watched. I rewatched it today, uh, and actually listened to their broadcast. I thought they were really good. Um, okay, so that four minute drill, I loved it. It was great. It was as good as you could have hoped for without scoring a touchdown. 
you did everything right. You, you took the shots that were there. Um, you leaned on the strength of your offense and like your, your best skill positions and your running backs. You're like, Sir Roger Thompson, you're going to get us the yards. He picked up like 30 yards on four carries or whatever it was. Yes. Um, in a row, he had, he had it was 16, 12, and four. And those were the yardage that he gained three plays in a row. Yeah. Back so to he, back first downs. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So what is that, 34 yards? 32 yeah. yards on three yeah. carries um, that passed to Geiger was just glorious that, that they say it was underthrown, but like when the ball's no, in the air, that was intentional. Yeah. That's more on the receiver. Yeah. Um, like there's no overthrown balls. There's just, or sorry, underthrown balls. It's just an overran route. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, but he made that, that great adjustment and listening to, Golick Jr. and and, the, and talk about uh, that play. He said the mark of a, an experienced, well-seasoned receiver like that is going to make that adjustment and not get called for, for pass interference. Like a younger guy is going to push off and have it be obvious. I don't know how much Geiger may have pushed off. Obviously, there was some contact there to like stop and turn around and get around the guy. Um, but he said that right there is a finesse move by a seasoned guy to do that and then not get called for it. Um, and then like you got down, you had first and goal and like, that's great. And then from there you actually just moved backwards. I'm okay with that because one, you were already obviously well within field goal range. You're, you're within, you're inside the 10. And it was a tie game. You weren't behind. Yeah. And like, like you didn't need the touchdown. You needed a field goal. Um, and then it felt like, whether like I'm sure it was intentional. I'm sure it's been well drilled into the team, but your veteran offensive leaders, Columbia and Thompson, when they had the ball, they didn't do anything stupid. They weren't careless. When the play was over, they went down in bounds to keep that clock moving. You, you forced West Virginia to burn their last time out. You took as much time off the clock as you could. Barring those big chunk plays that you had already gotten on the drive. I'm sure like you would have preferred to kick the field goal and have time expire as the balls in the year. You left 18 seconds on the clock with elite. Like that was as good as it could have been. So chef's kiss there for Matt Wells and company not doing something stupid. 
<laughs> doing well, not it even right. Not doing something. They did it yeah, right. Doing, doing the almost exact perfect thing they could do. Yeah, it was great. Forcing them to use, to use their last time out, you know, taking all of the play clock as they possibly could, running laterally to try to not get tackled too far behind the line of scrimmage to try to not lengthen the field goal as much. I mean, they did some, but yeah, Four Columbia yards. had that run slide on second goal. And then I think Thompson ran to the outside. He was going outside and then he got, he met people and then he went backwards and then went down. Right. Again, he didn't try to force it for more yards and then push it, you know, closer to the sideline to stop the clock. He just went down. Um, like I said, thing of beauty. The other thing that I just love and I, 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 I want more of it. And I'm, I'm almost sad that Texas tech is so efficient when they get down in the red zone, but there, there are flashes of like brilliance. When you see Cumbie's offense inside the five, you're like, Oh my gosh. Like there are so many different options. There's so many different ways this play could go. Um, now I say that, the two Sir Roderick Thompson touchdowns were the exact same play. Yes. So I'll, I'll say that, but there was one play that I think it set up the, one of those touchdowns um, where they had a receiver kind of line up as an H back and then go in motion, like that orbit motion that goes behind the quarterback, like big sweeping motion out. I was like, I want to see what they do with that later on. Where, where is that option going? Um, I love the, um, the, f- the full scale formation shifts. Like they'll get down there and go five wide and then Columbia will like do the fake snap, whatever. And then you got five guys in motion and they yes. completely reset the formation. Like that's different. That is different. Uh, two tight ends. I, I know that on a third and three Teeter caught a Teeter pass. Caught a pass. <laughs> There were two tight ends in the game and they, one of, neither of them was Tharp. They, they ran a play. And again, this is not goal line. They ran a play with two running backs. Yes. I liked yes. that. They did. They, what was it? Chidarius and uh, Sir Roderick? I believe so. Um, oh, oh, one. I don't know if it was goal line, but gosh, I loved it. There was a, there was a great play. Let's see. Let me make sure I get it right. I think it was Rigdon. No, it was Mannix. Mannix was in motion. I mean, and running full speed laterally and they handed it off to him and he just took off like a rocket yep. kind of like on a, on a screen on the outside. I love that. Cause I mean, he was, by the time he got the ball, he, he couldn't have been going any faster. It was a third and six. I don't know how much he picked up, but he definitely picked up well past the sticks on that play. Yep. That was a fun one to see too. I'm liking now again. I think this is more of a, the opportunities have risen since Shuck is out, but I'm liking that Donovan Smith is getting in. And so far, like when he gets in, he's running the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, long game here is <laughs> he's going to take a step forward towards the line of scrimmage and then step back and just drop a dime over people's heads. And I can't wait for that. But oh, man. as a 6'5", 230-pound quarterback, it's, it's, a, it, it just, it's beautiful to see him just run north and south of the ball. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and lastly, Jerron Bradley. Dude was making some beautiful catches. One was on the sideline. Uh, it was, he was going out of bounds. I don't know if the catch was one-handed or like he, he 
stopped the ball with one hand and then brought it in. But he had one foot down. Uh, he was, his body, his, for, his torso was leaning out of bounds. It was a great catch. And then he had one, uh, another one. It was like, he's, he's, he's coming on. He's, he's showing the, the depth of receiver behind Ezukanma that we don't get to see a whole lot because when Ezukanma's playing, like he's, you're not taking him off the field unless he's, he needs a breath. Yeah. Well, and, and Bradley up until this game had only had one reception against uh, Florida international. And, and I think it was just for five yards. So it's not like he's been out there a whole lot at all, but uh, obviously with so many injuries and, you know, probably trying to switch things up a little bit. Gumby had him out there on more snaps this week, six, five two twenty. Uh, of, and I don't know if he's, it just listed him as a freshman. I don't know if he's a COVID freshman or true freshman no, or what. I, I, I should have looked into that freshman. further. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll do it real quick. I, I am looking forward to seeing a little bit more out of him because yes, it was just two catches, but they were, they were big opportune catches. I think, let me see where one of the first ones he had. Um, yeah, he had a great catch on a slant on Tech's second drive, which that first drive, y'all talked about it, I think, or I might be getting it confused with the Gambling Gauchos podcast. Check that one out, too. They released an episode Monday. But, uh, yeah, that play on the first drive where, where Geiger threw the interception, that was kind of... I don't know. We we just talked up Cumbie a lot. Maybe don't call that play as much, or well, okay, so or, or have Geiger know. Maybe don't throw it into double coverage. It, it could have been triple. I kind of don't remember. And uh, and as I, I and they were moving the ball. They didn't need to come out with trickery. I mean, they were just gashing them the whole drive. To to defend Cumbie and Geiger, like. Fungi was in position. He had his hands on that ball too. Like it was not a poorly thrown pass. Yeah. Questionable decision to throw it into what ended up being double coverage as a receiver throwing a ball. It looked good. It, it looked good enough. You still were in position to make the play. Um, and yeah, it, it, you kind of feel weird. It's like, okay, what, why, why are we <laughs> digging into the bag of tricks on, on the opening drive? Um, but Man. Okay, so let's talk about the, the defense. Um, outside of... I think there were two or three drives, not counting... Or, well, yeah. Counting even the last drive that Western had the ball, I think you gave up like three big plays or four on the day. That sounds about right. I mean, the they were probably all in the third quarter. Cause there was the, yeah, there was the, the ones that helped set up their two touchdowns uh, and then their first play in the last, um, their last possession are the ones I can think of. Uh, but you weren't getting gashed. You, you, you contained, I mean, as much as you can contain Letty Brown, like he only carried what three and a half yards per carry or something. Um, Jarrett Daggy's not a, not a, a surgeon in the pocket, but like you didn't let him beat you with your basically second string team of defensive backs, all the guys that were missing or that went down in the game. Um, I mean, you were missing muddy waters, obviously who you'll miss the rest of the year. Um, Reggie Pearson went down in the middle of the game after hitting, hitting Esdale at the goal line. Um, 
there was another Malik. Malik, what's his name? Eldridge isn't a DB, is he? No, but he went down. He looked like he got knocked out. Um, yeah. Anyways, you missing the number of guys and and the guys that like the starting the roles those guys played. Um, your defense could have done a whole lot worse. Uh, you did give up West Virginia's first two touchdowns in the second half. They've scored all year. Uh, and they were like back-to-back drives too. And you went, or no, cause that you went touchdown field goal touchdown. Um, right. But I will say the, the rose colored glasses here, the sunshine pumping here, you did get pass rush this week, like better than, than you've seen uh, in the, the past few weeks. Um, Hutchings just blew Daggy up once. That was a thing of beauty. Um, and it felt yeah, that like, was a, Let's see what was that? It was an eight yard loss. Eight yard loss. Like was he was eight yard loss on that double one. teamed at the snap. Like the center kind of passed him off, but very like nonchalantly put his hand out. Like okay, you got him. Um, and then he just bull rushed the guard, got past him, and then just smacked into Daggy. And it was, ooh, I was like, dang, dude. Um, and then almost like intentionally, you kind of let Daggy sit back there on that last play of the game. And, and I'm, I'm until, until Patterson and Wells says otherwise, you not putting pressure on Daggy there forced him to just to sit there and bleed out that clock. He sat there for six seconds before he threw that ball with nine seconds left on the clock. He sat there waiting for six where did, seconds. Where did he throw the ball Spencer? Oh, then he threw it out of bounds. <laughs> so one, your, your, your defensive backs covered for that long which is i were not able to do i it shouldn't often. i shouldn't say like your pass rush was was what 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 won you the game here because your defensive backs covering for that long and then having nowhere for him to throw but out of bounds that's that's obviously mostly on the defensive backs but because you didn't force the issue sooner with a pass rush like you just let him sit back there and burn on the clock i loved it special teams um, you didn't let their star returner Weston Wright get loose. Um, you executed a squib kick there at the end of the game where it bounced where it needed to bounce. You forced Wright to make a decision. Like he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't wait for the ball to get back into the end zone. Uh, cause you're just not sure if it's going to go that far at that point. You can't call for a, a fair catch, obviously after it hits the ground. I don't know if it was intentional. Like if he's just like, I can't take any clock on a return here. Or if he was as confused about the the fair catch rules as Golik was, but he took a knee there and they took the ball over at the nine. I was almost worried that that wasn't when I first watched it. I thought that was a fake kneel because I'm not sure his knee actually even touched the ground, but you know, they're going to call it that because whether he meant to or not, that's or whether it touched the ground or not ex- exactly, that's what he meant to do. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really matter, obviously. But um, yeah, what a um, fortunate <laughs> turn of events for Texas Tech for them to get the ball at their own nine yard line uh, with 18 seconds left and no timeouts. Yeah. Then the other thing, uh, well, so one positive, one negative. One positive um, with no timeouts. 
and like 15 seconds left from the first half, you were able, you ran your field goal team on and kicked and hit, nailed, converted the beautiful. field goal attempt as time expired in the first half. And Wells was fired up, dude. He was pumped. But like, I mean, like you got, you completed a pass and then immediately your field goal team ran on, set up, snapped it and got the ball through the uprights as time expired. And you did it in, like I said, 15 seconds. Yeah, it was perfect. Tech got the ball with a minute 56 left. Uh, there was a three yard sack on one on a first down that forced tech to call their last timeout. And then, um, there was a third and 13, a screen pass to Xavier white. That was also another thing of beauty because he had a tackle and a guard out there blocking for him. He didn't have receivers out there blocking him on a screen pass. He had linemen and on a third and 13, by God, they got him that first down. That was just great. The all the other good thing that helped Bell, Bell Tech out a little bit during that drive was after that first down. There was a they they stopped to review the spot, so that gave Tech a lot more time to line up and kind of get ready. Then there was then our man Bradley came through with an eighteen yard catch. Mm-hmm. Mannix had a twelve yard catch. It was a third and ten with twenty four seconds left. And I forgot who caught it. I think it may have been Mannix again that caught it on third and 10 for a gain of four yards. 16 seconds on the clock Once after he caught the ball and got tackled. And they still were able to get a field goal off with three seconds left. I just couldn't believe that. I thought they that were. was just... I was fired up too because I knew, you know, I <laughs> luckily one of the dads at the game, he had a he had his phone playing the game probably louder than most people would have cared, but <laughs> I sat next to him on purpose. And so I was able to hear a bunch of stuff, you know, like, Oh, there's a fourth down stop or, you know, dang Tech's up 17 zero at half and they remade the field goal. So, you know, I knew some of the stuff had happened, but I didn't fully appreciate. And I don't know if anyone else is fully appreciating it as much as we are, but to run a field goal unit out there, a, a unit and a special teams that's been so plagued the last few years, to, to get that off right before halftime, huge momentum boost. Um, and I mean, I'd have been fired up too if I was Wells. I was fired up just watching it like two days later. Yeah, they were I'm fired up talking about it three <laughs> days later. It's like, a field goal, but I just am like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. <laughs> the the thing about that though is it shows that they they were planning on the field goal. They were ready to go. They had the team, the special teams, the field goal team ready to go. That that pass went off. They were like, <laughs> like lined yeah. up as like a sprint. They obviously um, practiced that. They probably like set a clock on. Okay, we're we've got 15 seconds on the clock. You got to fill get a field goal off starting now. And yeah. I mean, good for them. Good job. It worked. Good job, special teams coach. Uh, you know, we don't get well, to say that a whole lot. Because <laughs> here, and I'm I'm going to negate the good job, the special teams coach. Yes, I don't understand why. We were not fair. We're not calling for fair catches on kickoffs. And this is as, as, as much as data analytics drives today's game and like everything, especially baseball, but football, like if, if you ever see that picture that we have of the, um, of the meeting room, they've got like a chart on the wall and it says, if we get possession of the ball within these 10 yards, there's a 76% chance or expectation that we're going to score points. 
Mm-hmm. If we get the ball within this section of the field, 89% chance we're scoring a touchdown. Like they've got this tracked and they're charting it. And obviously where is the data <laughs> and the, the informatics to inform people that like, no, you don't return kickoffs. Not, not until the rules change, not, not until it goes back to the way it was. Um, Cause right now you are heavily incentivized to take a, the fair catch. And I do not understand why Texas tech is not. And this is not a slight on the returners, but even getting back to the 25, which is where you'd get the ball out on a fair catch. Like that is risky. Like that's, you're not doing that even regularly on your returns. Um, you're, you're risking one that you're not going to make it to the 25. You're risking injury and you're risking a turnover. Cause we've seen, fielding issues on kickoffs and punt returns, but on kickoffs this year, uh, Chadarius Townsend, the very last kickoff he returned, he nearly went out of bounds inside the one with it, trying to corral it. And then like, again, I, I don't, I'm not trying to knock the kid because now he's hurt and he's gonna miss the rest of the year. But like, how does his shoulder, his shoulder blade broken on a return? Like, how do you break your shoulder blade? Um, yeah. he, he got on hit. a, on a, on a nine yard return on a nine yard. Like he went through all that effort and made, made it back to the tent. Um, it just, Oh no, I'm sorry. It was a gain of 15 tech had the ball at there on 16. Yeah. It, it just, but still the, the ball the hit the ground right in front of him. So, you know, had he adjusted enough cause the ball hit the ground right at the two or the three and then it bounced into him, but that had ball he adjusted like, enough. He could have done the fair catch. Or just like take a step back into the end zone and then receive it. Sure. And just go down with it. But but yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot that I saw him corralling that thing and it was making me nervous, even though I knew Tech drove down and kicked a field goal. I knew how it worked out and I did get to see some of that live, but he just, you know, I really felt for him. You know, you feel for a kid that had he, had it been drilled to him a little bit harder to try to take the fair catch whenever possible or try to get the touchback whenever possible. He might not be out for the rest of the year with a fractured scapula. I mean, dang, like what a freak injury. Yeah, that hurts. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope, I hope he's doing well. Cause I, I really was, we talked about this. I think it was against Florida international where he came alive on a couple of drives and we talked about how fast he was and how great it was to get to see him thrown in the offense. And we talked about it already tonight. He was in a couple of two back plays, uh, just was really excited to see him get used. And, and, you know, now this has happened and unfortunately he's, he possibly is done as a red Raider. I'm not quite sure on the eligibility there, but I knew that he was kind of towards the tail end of it when he transferred here. But anyway, yeah, you're right. I mean, fair catch people and we're not harping on the players we're really not because i know that he was just trying to make a play but you do feel like at some point it should be drilled a lot more into their heads by the coaching staff hey you know let's let's not sacrifice our bodies for 15 yards when all you've got to do is take a knee or catch in the end zone and you can get more like they're they're trying to give you the ball to 25 and we're doing what we can to not to make the drives even longer. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's wrap up the, the West Virginia wrap up. Let's wrap up the wrap up. Um, <laughs> Neil Brown now. zero and three against Texas tech specifically against Matt Wells. 
Um, it looked like he got into his own way with trying to play two quarterbacks because there for a while, Garrett green looked really good. And then he, he like, he looked like he went back to give Daigie a second chance. And it's like, but then somehow in his head got stuck on Daigie. He was like, but green was actually doing a good job of moving the ball. And Daigie wasn't. And he put him back in and then Daigie continued to not be very good. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they, they tried to, to, to just ride let lady Brown and it didn't work. Like your defense was able to, to slow him down enough. And they had mentioned um, during the broadcast, they, they had tracked his, his participation and, and practice drills and all that kind of stuff, trying to make sure he was healthy. Um, but you, you made the note here. Like he looked just done gassed at the end of the game. He's out of it. He really, he really did. I mean, I don't, I, and I don't blame him. I mean, he carried the ball. I think I say only, I can't imagine carrying a ball once in D one college play, but he carried a ball seven. He carried 17 times, only 57 yards. Like you mentioned before with the 3.4 yards per carry, but he was out there every play. He was running routes. He was blocking. He was doing something. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't seen the stat, but I imagine he was out there just about every single play, even though he, quote unquote, only carried the ball 17 times. But it really felt like those last couple of drives, um, well, there was a touchdown catch that he probably should have had mm-hmm. that, you know, that West Virginia had to settle on a field goal there. Uh, there were just a couple of times where he just felt like he was, he had given it all he could and he was just worn out. He was the only running back to carry the ball for West Virginia. Yes. They had three ball carriers, Laddie Brown, Garrett Green, Jared Hagee. There was not yeah, a second running back that carried the ball for West Virginia this weekend. Back to, back to you know, Jarrett and Garrett. Um, the way Brown approached this game, he shot himself in the foot on the opening drive of the second half. Uh, West Virginia came out. Deggie was driving the ball very well. I mean, had some big plays, had hit some receivers. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's first and goal and green comes in and they can't get the damn play in, in time. And so the play clock keeps whining, keeps whining, keeps whining. And they finally have to burn a timeout. They have to burn a timeout on their first drive of the second half. The crowd's booing them. Green comes out and never goes back in. (laughs) And yeah. so you think if he hadn't tried to do that, they would have had two timeouts at the end of this game, probably. And we may be looking at a different result. Well, yeah, they would have, they would have had at least one more chance after Daggy grounded the ball with no time on the clock. <laughs> or they um, could have stopped the clock twice, you know. Yep. Um, you know, on the, on the, after third, second and third down, they could have stopped the clock while Tech was driving and preserved some, you know, however they wanted to handle it. And speaking of that drive, did he not tell Daggy, Hey, if you complete a pass here, next play, go up and spike the ball. I don't, I don't understand. Like go up and clock it. I, I don't know why. I mean, did they just su- assume that they were going to hit the tight end on that first play and then just run the second play or are they running this? It just, man, uh, <laughs> I was not impressed with, I didn't miss it. And, um, you know, I, I feel like we talked about this before we started recording. We'll give Wells an earful when he makes some poor decisions and stuff, but 
man, I feel like he managed the clock well this week and completely outcoached Neil Brown, at least as far as in-game decisions are concerned. Personnel, uh, you know, managing the clock, knowing when to go for it, when not. Um, wasn't a good wasn't a good game for Brown at all. No. Um, one other point that that I think we we can point to is like um, definite improvement we've seen is the number of penalties, and this year specifically, it's felt really low. You had two against West Virginia. One was a a false start, which pushed you back. You had like a third and two, and then you had a false start, which killed that drive. And then you had a face mask. Um, at the end kind of, of a incidental, long, like on a sideline, yeah. it, it was yeah. on, on like they had already they'd already converted the first down. So it wasn't that you gave them the first down, but it just gave them a few extra yards or 15 to be exact. But you had 20 yards of penalty, two, two penalties for 20 yards. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And it was a legit face mask. Penalty. No, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't saying it wasn't, but it wasn't like an egregious one where you ripped his helmet some, off. Or, yeah. Someone was really just, yeah, he, he just grabbed him and yeah, he got him. He definitely grabbed his face mask. Yeah. So let's go back and look at our predictions uh, going into the game, or at least when we did the, the preview, Texas Tech was plus seven, an over under of 56 and a half. Like we mentioned earlier at the show, 27.4% chance of winning this game from ESPN's FPI. I picked West Virginia to win 26 to 23. Michael picked West Virginia to win 28, 27. Yikes. Texas Tech won 23 20. So we, we had something right. I was you know, six we, points off West Virginia. Yeah, we, we both had the under. Uh, we mm-hmm. both thought it would that Tech would cover. And both of those things happened. But we were just wrong on the most important thing about which team would win. Yep, for sure. And that's okay. Uh, I guess it's okay. Sure, why not? But But yeah, I was... I was very surprised and and um, happy with this win. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it now, but did you mention something about people not being satisfied with this win? Was was the seventy to thirty five bitter taste still in their mouth two weeks later? Or so it was more what, like what have you seen? Like you you still had like though there were some big plays and people are are still harping on. Um, not being able to get a consistent pass rush with three down linemen, like you're just not going to be able to win in the Big Twelve with three down linemen. Or like, um, it's actually r- more rare to play with four down linemen in the Big Twelve than it is with three. Because like Baylor, Tech, Iowa State, I haven't seen Oklahoma State this year, but they've done three down linemen. Like a lot of people run three down linemen. West Virginia did. Um. It's like, it's not the down linemen or the number of guys in the line. And you definitely don't want to change scheme in the no. year or change scheme from what Keith Patterson wants to do. Um, Iowa State runs three yeah. down linemen. So they were just like, they're just, they're not, they're not creating a consistent pass rush. I was like, okay, well, sure. But Let's not change the scheme (laughs) for me. Like I thought emotions of the game in Austin could have carried over and affected how you played enough in West Virginia that it could have affected the outcome. Previous years, we've seen a blowout like that turn into a snowball. Mm. 
Yeah. This like this week you bounced back within a, a week and got a hard fought gritty win on the road after being embarrassed. So like you were able to like, okay, that we're, we're done with that. As much as we talked about it in the post game show with Texas, like we're in the preview for West Virginia. We just hope that what we saw in Austin was not who you were, that you're somewhere in between. You saw you were somewhere in between. Like you weren't like fantastic. You gave up what 450 yards of offense, but you held a conference opponent at home who needed a win to 20 points. You took them Mm -hmm. out of their offensive game. You did not allow them to ride Letty Brown. You forced Daggy to try to do it. And he threw for 300 yards. But when it came down to it, they were inefficient. They didn't score any points in the first half. They needed your defensive back backfield to be even more depleted to start scoring in the second half. And then when it mattered most, they stopped scoring. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what what we were trying to say and what people were getting hung up on and and Rob covered it well too. The it's it's not like the defensive scheme itself is the issue. It's just that at it seems like a lot of times especially last week those the three guys up front were losing the battles. They weren't winning the man the one-on-one battles. Um and then on top of that Patterson wasn't bringing other guys to rush as much either with the hopes that Thompson would not carve you up. Um, This week it was similar, but I felt like he, he used his blitzes a little bit more. um, He switched them up a little bit. I know that schooler, I mean, it was on the second drive of the game. He came in and knocked the ball out of Daggy's hand and, you know, tech recovered a fumble. That's some pressure for you. I mean, that that was a good look. It, I think what Patterson seems like he had done a lot is, yeah, he'd have the, th- the three guys rushing, and then he would bring a linebacker in here and there. And then every now and then he'd bring like five or six guys, and it almost backfired every single time. So I think in West Virginia game, he kind of found that happy medium where he would bring in, uh, you know, he'd bring in Schooler. Or, you know, maybe Jeffers or somebody and just kind of send one of the linebackers to go and and not like all three linebackers <laughs> or all four if you include the spur and everything. So I, I don't know. I, I do think I don't know if it was more aggressive, but it was maybe just more playing the odds this week. Yeah. So let's uh, let's take that all of our notes and findings from West Virginia and look ahead to this weekend because we, we, we've basically given you a second reaction podcast to West Virginia. We're just that <laughs> yeah, excited. I hope, I hope y'all wanted to talk a lot of Morgantown because apparently we were, we were pretty amped this weekend. You're back home for homecoming hosting TCU six o'clock on the big ESPN uh, TCU's fifth game of the year. Sometime, somehow it's their first time out of Fort Worth. It's their first game out of Amon G Carter. That is a weird schedule. And cause I, I thought, I think I heard that somewhere and I thought, well, that can't be right. Maybe one of them was a neutral side or something. Like, no, <laughs> all four of them. That's a front heavy home schedule for sure. Cause Bizarre. then they go, they're going to play two more home games over their last eight. Yeah. So, so. Uh, all, all the, the tens of fans over at Amon G Carter, I mean, 
you are losing out on a chance to see your frogs until October 23rd and November 6th. Yep. Yeah. And November 20th. That's it. Three games. Okay. Um, injury, quick injury update. We've already mentioned Chidaris Townsend is going to be out for the season with the broken scap, excuse me, scapula. Um, everybody else, as far as I've heard, besides Shuck is day to day. Uh, I think we heard going into it that Ezukanma and Wright, um, or sorry, Deaton, Dawson Deaton, uh, were dealing with concussion protocol. protocol. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and then Taj Brooks, as far Maybe as we Rigdon? heard, was Rigdon concussion too? No, cause he played, he played, oh, man. I thought there were three guys that were on concussion and yeah. I just cannot remember the third guy. So I just started naming names. Uh, I think we mentioned last week that Brooks was going to miss two games. This was his second game. So hopefully he's going to be working his way back. Right. Um, as Ukonma, obviously you'd love to have him back. Uh, you've got the talented depth, obviously to help try to cover that. Uh, Geiger is starting to really come on. I'm excited about him, but everybody else tactically or realistically listed as day to day. TCU offense lives and breathes Max Duggan. Um, again, this is another quarterback that like, if you can either get a big enough lead to force them out of their game plan, or if you can affect their running game enough to try to put the ball in his hands through the air, you're going to feel a little bit better about your chances. Uh, he's completing 63% of his passes for almost 900 yards. It's 900 yards through four games. So he's like a hunt. Was that uh, 150 yards? Through the air? Yeah. I mean, no, I, I remember looking 600. up the stats a little bit, researching Cumbie and... 225. Yeah, that's that's very similar to what they were doing last year. Eight touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, 47 carries on the year for 143 yards. They're running back Zach Evans, though. Uh, he's legit. A lot of people, a lot of Horn Frogs specifically, a lot of people think he's the second best running back in the conference. Um, so far this year, he's kind of a big dude too, uh, or, you know, 5'10", 210, 5'11", 210, 57 carries, 443 yards, almost eight yards per carry for three touchdowns. Kendra Miller, six foot, 215, 22 carries. Obviously it's like a three to one carry for, uh, Evans over Miller for 117 yards. He still carries for 5.3 yards per carry and three touchdowns. Uh, their top three receivers. Uh, two of the three are what you've seen TCU produce a lot of the little guys in the middle, uh, and then the big guy on the outside. You got Tay Barber, 5'9, 180, 10 catches, 198 yards, almost 20 yards per catch, one touchdown. Outside receiver Quentin Johnson, Johnston, 6'4, 200, 12 catches, 170 yards, 14.2 yards per carry catch, and two touchdowns. Darius Davis, 5'9", 160, 13 catches, 138 yards, just over, or yeah, just over 10 and a half yards per catch and a touchdown. Um, but really what, what they do, what they try to do um, is run the ball. They're, let's see, where do I have it? TCU offense. They average almost 200 yards per game on the ground at five yards per carry. So they're going to be much more focused on running the ball. Defensively, um, as it as if it's any different, it's always been this way with Gary Patterson. Runs at four two five, 
Uh, you tried to run it at tech several years ago. They are a better pass defense than run defense. Historically, though, they, they've been pretty sound and solid all the way around this year. They are not disruptive and they do not stop the run very well. They only have five sacks on the year through five through four games, uh, four and a half, four point two tackles for loss per game, which is 115th in the country as, as opposed to West Virginia that had like nine and a half. Yes. Well, and they're also averaging of those five sacks you mentioned, uh, defensive end Dylan Horton got two of them last week and he's, he's, um, you know, just going by how many tackles he's had in the first four games, I think he had three tackles in the first three and then nine last week. It sounds like he's a guy that's kind of coming on. Maybe he wasn't playing as much early and he's playing more now. I'm not sure. You know, I didn't dive into the film, but Dylan Horton could be somebody to look, look at. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out too is for a school that's focused on defense, they've allowed 35 points per game Oof. against FBS opponents. Um, you know, I forgot what, let me, let me just pull it up. I've got it right here. Uh, versus Cal, they allowed 32 SMU 42 and then against Texas 32. So they've, they've allowed right at 35 points per game. Yep. Um, their leading tackler cornerback, which is strange that it's a corner that leads their team in tackles. Mm-hmm. Travis Hodges Tomlinson has 23 tackles is leading tackler. If he were playing at Texas Tech, he'd be the fifth leading tackler. Colin Schooler's got 45. Rico Jeffers, 29. Reggie Pearson, 24. Eric Monroe, 24. And then this is where Hodges Tomlinson would fit in between Eric Monroe and Krishan Merriweather. Um, and then linebacker D. Winters has 22 tackles. They've got five interceptions on the year and only one forced fumble. Um, and again, like it's... I, I had to do a double take. I, I double and triple check to make sure the stats were updated. This defense gives up more than 200 yards on the ground per game at 5.1 yards per carry. They are awful against the run. <laughs> Coming from experience that Texas Tech has seen bad, bad, bad rush defenses to be we saw averaging. It, we saw it 10 days ago. <laughs> to be, we know we, we've, we've seen it. At this point in the year to be averaging, giving up more than 200 yards per game is awful. And it's not like like Texas ran for 400. SMU ran for a whole bunch on them too. Um, like they're just bad. They're, they give up more yards on the ground than through the year. And that may be because there's just not enough yards to go around. Like if you're giving up 200 yards on the ground, you're probably not throwing for 300. Um, defensively through the year, they give up 193 yards per game, 8.7 yards per attempt. It's better than you, obviously. Um, as you give up 268 yards through the year, although you give up fewer yards per per attempt. When teams are completing the pass on you, they're not they're not bombing you. Uh, 7.3 yards per attempt. Uh, through five games now, you average giving up 119 rushing yards per game at 3.4 yards per carry. This is the big matchup as they run for almost 200 yards a game at five yards a carry, 197, 5.0 yards per carry. Um, Offensively, Texas Tech runs for 144 yards per game at 4.6. And then another comparison I'm, I'm adding in this week, third down conversions. Offensively, 
Texas Tech converts almost 48% of their third downs while TCU gives up 43%. TCU offensively, and this may be uh, just a a product of their running. It's just been so good. They have short third downs. Um, They convert almost 52% of their third downs while Texas Tech only gives up 40%. So that's another key matchup there. Your rush defense versus their rush offense and then getting them off the field on third down. Um, the line right now, it started off as a Texas Tech favorite. One and a half, it swung to TCU as a one and a half favorite. As of when I, we put the notes together, Texas Tech plus 1.5 over under 62 and a half. EF, ESPN, FPI gives Texas Tech a 54.9% chance to win this game. Michael, how do you see this game going? And give us your prediction. Well, you know, I mentioned it earlier, TCU averaging 35 points allowed the last three games. That's where I'm starting. I've, I've got Texas Tech scoring 35 on them um, and covering for sure uh, a thir- and winning 35-27. I've, I've had this counted as a win since August. I just feel like TCU is just one of those teams that's not you – know, the only consistency they have is defense. And this year, it looks like that's not even that consistent. Uh, right. This kind of feels like West Virginia part two to me, A, except the roles are slightly changed. I mean, it's a formidable defense, probably not as good as West Virginia. And then the offense may be slightly better than West Virginia. And they've got, you know, more than one running back who can who can carry the ball for you. Um, you know, Zach Evans, like you mentioned, he's he's a he's a good back. He's quick. He's shifty. And, uh, you know, guys try to bring him down and they just end up on the ground and he's still going. You know, he, he doesn't quite overpower you like Bijan Robinson would, but still finds a way to squeeze through and, and um, go right through defenders' arms. So I still think Tech's going to come out ahead, though. I think they can score on this defense like you mentioned. I'm counting on Taj Brooks being back, especially with Jadarius Townsend out for the year. It just just think about it. Just think about Taj Brooks and Roderick Thompson in the backfield together for the first time all year. That's going to be great if that if we get to see that as a comma, hopefully back. Um, you know, the offensive line held up well last year, even if Deaton's not able to come back. So we're I'm feeling pretty good about this, Spencer. I'm I'm ripe for heartache because of it, but <laughs> I'm going for it anyway. So tech 35 27. All right. So if if that holds out, Texas Tech gets to five wins through six games. Um, eight and four is not too far off from there, man. I'm just just saying. Wow, <laughs> I'm just saying. Let's um, not let's not look ahead too much yet. Well, and so the problem and 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 Rob kind of brought me back back down to earth a little bit on the post game show when I was talking. I was talking about the next three games: TCU, Kansas, Kansas State, and I said they're very winnable because ah, I don't know if they're very winnable. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I, I get your point because Kansas State. Um, Better always I would, has I'd, our number. I'd say better than the record. They're just like they're they're hanging in there, and I'm, they're just just so close. Kansas, good lord! If you don't, if you lose to Kansas, um, if you're five and one and go to Lawrence and lose, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit. Um, all right, so I've got, and I I said this going into the Texas game, so I, I'm a little I'm a little gun shy of of pulling this trigger again. I think. 
the best part of your def- the best part of your defense lines up with the best part of their offense, right? Your rush defense versus their rush offense. Um, if and I'm going to say with an if because I'm not going to say you will, but if you can slow them down and keep them from doing what Texas did to you and keep them from running for 200 yards against you. Um, if you can keep Duggan from converting third downs every time he's out there with his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, there's nothing about their defense that worries me as it probably had in the past. The, the, the rush defense really like as much as teams probably really love to go against Texas Tech. I'm like, I just want to run the ball every play. I want to run the ball against TCU this weekend. I want to see Brooks back. I want to see Sir Roger Thompson get more of a load. And I want to see Xavier White all have great days. Have have Donovan Smith have 35 yards. Please. Please and thank you. <laughs> just still setting up that long game for when he just throws a complete bomb against Kansas State. No, no, he's gonna do like against Kansas or something. We're like, man, you wasted it on Kansas. What are you doing? Um, but if you're able to force Duggan to move the game to his hands instead of his feet. I think you can win this game. And I've actually got Texas Tech not only covering, but winning as well. 31-24. Also a touchdown win for you to get to 5-1. And And again, I'm saying, like I'm looking ahead. If you were to win this weekend, get to 5-1. You've got Kansas next weekend. 6-1. All you have to do, and like I would be disappointed if you're at 6-1 and and then go 1-5. Or one and four, whatever it would be to finish. Like seven and five is like bare minimum at that point. Anyways, yeah, okay. Texas Tech thirty-one, TCU twenty-four. Lock it in. Tech wins homecoming with a blackout, possibly throwback uniform this weekend. Hopefully, well, they they've been. Uh, my friend Adam, shout out to Adam, uh, down in Burleson, God's country. He lives right down the road from that Miller Coors plant where they're making the Yingling beer. So good, good for him. Pick up a six pack of that if you haven't already. Uh, so he's the one who brought to my attention a while back that the theme of this year's homecoming is like two thousands, early two thousands movies or something like that. And so he thought, well, that means we've got to bring back the bass boat helmets from the Graham Harrell days. And I would just love that. I would absolutely love if that actually happened to get to see that in high definition. We didn't really, you know, high definition was just kind of becoming a thing in like 07, 08. It it, It definitely wasn't wasn't 4K. Well, and it wasn't, it wasn't broadcast either. It wasn't like, no, you're getting live TV in 4K. Or no, it was 1080. <laughs> yeah. So you, you were, you were getting 1080 P hopefully instead of 1080 I like a, like a plebe, but like a poor, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's no 4k, no UHD, none of that. So anyway, I would love to see all that in the, in the glory of the Jones. Um, and to remind you guys, kickoffs at six games should be over between nine 30 and 10. So we will go live again on Spotify green room, probably about 30 minutes after kickoff, as we've talked about, uh, you know, every week for the last several weeks, this is a great app. It's live audio only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, other fans, athletes, question mark, and insiders in real time. You can get in on the conversation that you listen 
to hear every day. You can share um, with us your own takes, what you thought of the game, uh, what you think needs to happen the following week, you know, what adjustments need to be made, your favorite thing that happened at the game. Was there a flyover? Tell me more about it. Um, this is your chance to be featured on our podcast. So download Spotify Green Room app. It's free in iOS and Google Play app stores. Create a profile, link your Twitter, join our group. We don't really have a group, but the, the way to be notified is to follow me, Michael McDonald, or follow Spencer Rogers. And actually really be sure you follow Spencer because he starts the room the majority of the time. And so when he starts that room, you'll get a notification on your app. And then you can join us when we go live approximately 30 minutes after kickoff. So if you are not at, oh, I don't know. Where do the kids go these days? If you're not at, chances are, or you're not at blue light, (laughs) or you're not at, I don't know, the library? Is that still a thing? (laughs) Then join us at about 10 o'clock and uh, we'll talk some Texas Tech, Texas Christian. Yeah, man. All right. So we'll wrap this up with just looking around the rest of the big 12. Only six teams are playing this weekend. Three games. As far as I could tell, Texas tech TCU at six. You got the red river showdown in fair park. I was, so I'm actually going to be in Dallas this weekend. And my mom said, Hey, do we want to go to the fair? She's like, Oh wait, it's the Texas OU weekend. No, like good call. Uh, Madhouse, o- Oklahoma. As of, again, again, as of today, ten five, Oklahoma three and a half point favorite versus Texas. Oklahoma. I think we've seen holes. They've struggled to put teams away. Um, it was a close game against West Virginia. It was within a touchdown uh, to Kansas State. Although they needed a review to overturn an onside kick up there in uh, in Manhattan. Apparently the kicker had touched the ball twice with his foot. Uh, even though it was recovered by Kansas state, they were able to get that back. Oklahoma three and a half. So close game as I would I just assume it would be because Oklahoma just can't put teams away. Texas. I don't like it. I'm, I'm staying away from it. I, I, I don't even know who I would feel good about winning this game. I think I would take UT at plus three and a half just because OU has yet to cover except against that crazy game Yeah, against the no name school. But, um, they, and, and I'm a guy who picked them to go 11 and one and I'm, I'm, I picked UT to go seven and five, but UT looks really good. Uh, I think Sarkeesian's offense, it sounds, it looks like he simplified things. It looks like he's got a starting quarterback. Now Thompson seems like to, the guy. Um, so I'm, I don't want to, but I think I would pick UT to not only cover, but probably win at this point. Just, yeah. they just seem like they're playing better. They just, they just seem like they're playing better. And OU just seems like they have, yes, they've won the games. That's the important thing is win the game. Who cares if you cover the, the dang spread or not, aside from our fellow gambling gauchos, they care. But if you're winning games, you're winning games. Um, but UT, I, I just do think they have looked more competent. All right. The other game, uh, West Virginia at Baylor again, could be real low scoring and ugly. Baylor's a three point favorite here, um, which is basically the, all the points you get for being a home. Um, man, again, I just, I don't feel good about this one, but 
Give me Baylor? Question me mark? too. I think that's where I'm at. I think I would, if I had to pick, I'd take Baylor on this one. Um, I Man, forgive me. I'm completely spacing. How, they, how did they do last week? Were they Baylor? off last week? Because they they played they they beat Iowa State, that was a huge upset, and then I think they lost last week, but I can't remember who they played. Oh, it's terrible. They played Oklahoma State twenty four fourteen. Okay, okay, because Oklahoma State's suddenly starting to look. They're they're decent. They're ranked twelfth. Ugh. I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, but yeah, I think I would take Baylor minus three on this one, but that's not a real knock against West Virginia. I think West Virginia can, could probably score some points on it, but yeah, I'm with you. It's going to be one of those like 21, 17 kind of things. Maybe. Okay. So listen to the rest of the Baylor schedule though. So they've got West Virginia this weekend. Then they host number 10 BYU. Oh, that's right. They, then they host Texas two weeks after that, they have a bye week. Um, then they go to Fort Worth then they host Oklahoma then go to Manhattan then host Texas tech. Like as strong as we said that they may have been that they may crash here at the end. Yeah, that's pretty rough. They may go. come crashing down here. Um, Cause they, they, they beat Iowa state, which I don't think anybody was expecting uh, Oklahoma state took care of them by 10. This, this, this game and then that TCU game, Maybe their last shots crossing my fingers because I hate the Bears. Anyways, um, let's uh, let's do some questions, some of your predictions, people, and uh, wrap this up with what we learned. Now, are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, so Michael sent the tweet out today. Wrapping the West Virginia game, look ahead to Texas Christian. Send those core predictions our way. And any fond or not so fond homecoming memories? Kyle Lang says, it looks like Tech is, is up one game, down the next. I think the TCU coming off. I think with TCU coming off of two straight losses, this might be the biggest game of their season. Given the injuries on tech side, he picks TCU to win 35 31. That's another thing to, to keep, um, to keep in your consideration. There is all the guys that you're missing. Yeah. I mean, Kyle, I could, I could see that happening. I, I could definitely see something like that happening. You know, something we kind of brushed over in the, preview was um, their TCU's special teams game. I don't want to go into special teams too much, but wide receiver J.D. Spielman, he's back there. He's been on nine kickoff returns, has averaged 34 yards a return. Um, He has the second most all-purpose yards of anyone on the team, second only to Zach Evans. So he's out there a lot. Um, He's returning kickoffs. He's returning punts. He had an 87-yard return against Texas. And even if you take that out, his eight returns averaged 27 yards. So he's he's someone to watch for. And that's that's kind of where I'm at is if it's a 35-31 kind of loss there. I think Spielman may have had a big part in it and may have taken either, maybe not one to the house, but 
at least to the front porch. Set up a short drive. Yeah. I guess yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm setting myself up for disappointing disappointment Me here, too. as I always I do. Mean, I, I totally get, you know, I get watching that game last week and going, wow, tech was kind of lucky to squeak one by and you know, they kind of were, but they also did. I just really felt like Wells coached the heck out of that game. And I just hope that that continues, but you know, Kyle's got a good point too. They're, you know, facing a, a TCU team who's and two against uh, their two biggest rivals, probably aside from Baylor, maybe. And you know, they may be looking that it's going to go one or two ways. They're either going to be hyped up and ready to go, or they're just, maybe they'll get knocked in the teeth and get down 10, zero, 17, zero and fold up and go home. That's what I hope happens, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you just never know uh, what, what teams you're going to get every week, but like you said, it could be that they're, they're, they're fighting back. They're going to send, we're not going to be zero and three, or it could be the start of, of the snowball for them. Um, because like, like you said, they they lost to SMU, they lost to Texas, they've got Tech and Baylor left that are their big games. Um, so I don't know. All right, let's wrap this up. What we learned, and what did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I interrupted myself there. <laughs> But you know it's fine. Your producer got jumped the gun there. He did. It's fine. Uh, so, Michael, what did we learn this week? Well, I learned, like I mentioned last week, I'm going back through the Daniel Craig Bond movies, watch rewatching them. So, watched Casino Royale. Talked about that last week. Watched watched um, sorry Quantum of Solace this week for the first time in forever, and it was fine. It was okay. Um, it was relatively short, like an hour 30. And I think part of the, part of the weirdness of that movie, I think it was going on during the writer's strike. So I think they actually kind of had to come up with stuff on the fly for that movie. It was the cinematography was weird. You know, the fight scenes were super close. The chase scenes were super close. It was hard to te- tell what was going on. It was kind of, kind of make you nauseous. And they were always cutting back and forth between bond chasing somebody and or fighting someone to something else happening unrelated. So like there was a horse race at the beginning that they kept cutting back and forth to. And then at the end there was this play that they kept cutting back and forth to. And it was just kind of like, okay, I guess this is supposed to be artistic or something, but at some point I don't know what's going on and why am I watching this play in between bond, you know, throwing guys off of a building. But it was one of those that you just kind of, the the best part about it, and it's probably because I love Casino Royale too much. The best part about it was it was a direct sequel to that. And it's it started, I don't know, within half an hour of Casino Royale ending. It, it picked up immediately where they left off and kind of tied up some loose ends there. And you learned a little bit about Vesper's quote-unquote boyfriend and got to see some some justice done on that end. So that part made it worthwhile. And there was some good sequences, of course. And but it was just kind of ho-hum. I'm looking forward to Skyfall because I remember really liking that one quite a bit. And um, I will be watching that. And then possibly I may watch Skyfall and Spectre this week. 
and then we'll have the podcast and then I'll probably go see No Time to Die. I'm sure everyone is just dying. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> everyone is is just dying to hear all my James Bond takes, but uh, I like James Bond movies a lot and I don't know. I feel like it's kind of the first time I've been able to really prepare for the end. Cause when Brosnan did his, I didn't really watch them all religiously. Cause it kind of happened when I was, you know, elementary, middle school up to high school basically. And so I didn't watch all of those that much and, or really appreciate, Oh, okay. This is Brosnan's last movie. And they didn't really build on one another, but they were these all Craig ones. Strange. Yeah. And they were standalone, you know, like, like the 20 something before it. <laughs> so what was cool about the Craig ones is that they actually build upon one another a little bit. And instead of just a, you know, there's a cast of recurring characters they had in the Brosnan and Moore and Connery movies, but these are just different. So I felt like I've got to do the, got to do the legwork, you know, it's tough life rewatching Bond movies. So, and, and without going into a lot of research on this, just looking up the um, Quantum of Solace, did you see that Daniel Craig called uh, Quantum of Solace was a bit of a shit show? <laughs> well, I think, that I, and I think part of it is because I think he was writing the script on some of that stuff. I think they were trying to film that during a writer's strike. And so they were, it makes sense. I, I, there's like very little dialogue in this movie. And what dialogue there is, you're kind of going, What? <laughs> So they're using this time to get to know one another. Like they, um, they basically like hijack a plane, not hijack a plane, but they pay a guy to take his plane knowing that he's going to tell someone that, Hey, James Bond and this lady just took my plane. And we finally learn who she is like while they're on the plane, it, it just like shoehorned in to the conversation. Oh, well, she's like, some sort of spy herself too, which has not been mentioned this whole movie up until this point. Yeah. So one, uh, just as you were explaining that I was reading it a little bit. So it says, uh, as his first time being, being in bond shooting casino Royale, he like, it was just nostalgia. He really loved it. Uh, he could do it without the, all the attention of Hollywood. He said the second time it was not the same. Um, and you're right. A writer's strike caused the film to begin shooting without a completed script. Uh, and he says on quantum, we were effed. We had the bare bones of a script and then there was a writer strike and there was nothing we could do. We couldn't employ a writer to finish it uh, and said he and director Mark Foster had to pick up the slack. The rules were that you couldn't employ anyone as a writer, but the actor and director could work on scenes together. Talk about yeah. a disaster. Yeah. Um, so it was, I, I knew that going in when I rewatched it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't absolutely hate it or anything like that, but it was just kind of one of those, if they hadn't, but if they hadn't tied it into Casino Royale, like they did, I probably would have really disliked it. All right. But since they, they did enough callback, I was like, okay, they, they made it right. I, I think we're good there. I, I think I need to go back and, and watch these as well now. See, see, there you go. Um, what I learned really quickly, uh, just to bring us back to our roots food. I, I mentioned last week, I was going to do some weeknight barbecue. Oh yes. Like a, like a King, you're going to do ribs on like a Wednesday. Yeah, man. Couldn't believe it. It slaps. <laughs> so cause usually, you, I mean, you're, you're like, if you're having barbecue, it's like during the week is cause you're going out somewhere, but if you're making it yourself, uh, you're either working from home or taking a day off to do it. Um, <laughs> you're living the dream is what you're doing. <laughs> so I made a, I made a rack of ribs 
last week and it was delicious. Loved it. I did. We did a German theme. We kind of had our own little Oktoberfest party. My wife made a delicious coleslaw with a lot of fresh apple and stuff and a hot German potato salad and uh, with bacon and chives and, and um, had some vinegar in it. So it really kind of popped and stuff. And then I did two different kinds of brats on the smoker, which has to be the easiest possible thing to do on the smoker. That or queso, man. Ah, maybe queso. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it was, it was great. And I'm, I'm eating the last of the leftovers tomorrow for lunch and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's awesome, man. All right. Uh, that'll do it this week for us on the 23 personal podcast, a little bit of a longer one. Uh, getting you ready, hopefully for a text tech victory here this weekend and homecoming as Texas tech welcomes in TCU for Michael. I'm Spencer. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 personnel podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas tech red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23 personnel, Spencer at punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK and find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.